On today's show, three more Cavs topics that are going to define the offseason for myself and Evan. Let's dive in. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. The music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. I am Chris Manning, covering the Cavs for places like SB Nation and Cleveland Magazine. That man over there is Evan Damerel. He is the proprietor, the founder, the head honcho, the boss man, the guy with the championship belt at Right Down Euclid. I'm just going to keep adding um, adjectives to Evan to your title until I get a, like a smile and a reaction to you is where we're going with this. I, I still did. But yeah, um, we're going to we're going to keep just we're going to I'm going to keep selling this and selling this and selling this until I was like I was waiting for you to say like until I feel a full 30 minutes with ad breaks incorporated to the pipe man stuff. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you gotta, <sighs> we have to we got to keep the lights on over here, you know. So anyway, Jake Stevens, as always, is producing. Check out the Mary on Spotify, wherever you get your music. All right. Today's show, we're going to continue discussing big offseason topics. Evan, let's start. Um, with with one of mine here. The way we did this, if you didn't listen to yesterday's episode, is we alternated. So Evan did segment one and segment three, presenting topics. I did the one in the middle, so I lead off this show. I'm going to start with the, the NBA draft because the Cavs have one pick in the second round. That historically doesn't tell you like you're going to get an immediate contributor or anything like that. It's not like last year where we looked at the, the pick they had at the end of the lottery and said, who can they get that can maybe help them now? They end up taking Ochai Abaji. Abaji obviously ends up going out of the Mitchell trade. What I think, though, about the second draft is I really want to see what they prioritize and what kind of player they kind of look at here. If they if they take someone that's going to be on the roster right away, I would hope. I think they kind of need to hit on your youth point. I think that was right in the last episode. I think on getting someone in the building who's a little younger, who you can work with hands-on, would be a smart move. I'm curious to see what kind of traits they prioritize in said player. I'm curious to see also just do they, you know, they've used money in the past to buy picks and move up and get and get looks at other guys. Could do they do that again? Do is if there's trades on draft night, do they get involved on the back end of them somehow, even if they aren't the main team initiating? I think that NBA draft is just going to be the start of some movement around the league, some some things shaking loose. Do the Cavs get involved and ultimately what do they do, assuming they don't trade it or something? Do it that second round pick and and Lord help me, Evan. Um, I I I really just for my the sanity of having to like wrap my mind around it from like a content perspective. I'm hoping no centers. I think that's a fair assessment. No centers. Uh, Kobe Altman did tell me that Khalifa Giop is further ahead than expected in terms of his NBA development, but he's not coming over to the NBA. Neither is Luke Travers this upcoming season. So Luke Travers uh, was in Cleveland recently, though. He had posted on his Instagram store like a, a view of downtown. Well, that's, that's good. Maybe they were talking about the future plans. But um, speaking of trades, maybe the Cavs can use that second-round pick and Donovan Mitchell in his Mets jersey to go actually go make a player okay, that we're, get I, a player I, who I, wants to be here. But I you know, just hashtag I, gets us and stuff. But either way, there's a couple. So there's three ways the Cavs can tackle this. They're all pretty obvious. One, they draft a player, sign him to a two-way contract, and he spends the majority of his technical rookie season with the Cleveland Charge. 
uh, developing under Mike Garrity or if they switch Mike out for a different head coach. Like, just flesh him out to maybe like a high-quality depth piece for you going forward. Two, they trade it, which I am kind of an advocate of at this point just because it's the 49th overall pick, even though the Cavs burned two second-rounders last year on international prospects then drafted Isaiah Mobile around the same spot. Or three... They follow suit with what they did with Travers and Jop and draft another international prospect. Maybe it's Tristan Vucevic, who could realistically be available in that range, who is kind of a 3-4 player who also may never come over from, I believe, Serbia currently and um, just never come to see Cleveland in the NBA lifestyle ever. But, you know, not my not my problem. So there's three ways to go about it. I'm an advocate of trading it. I think if you can make a move that fits within that younger-ish vein that I've been kind of preaching, um, that's obviously the way to go about it. And you look at teams like maybe Brooklyn, who has like an overabundance of younger, or not younger wings, but just like veteran wing players that may not get minutes in the rotation going forward. Maybe like you use that second round pick as a bit of a sweetener if you attach it to like Jetty Osmond, who I realize is also a wing player, but incredibly inconsistent or like maybe Isaac Okoro if Brooklyn is able to smell what you're stepping enough there and you say like okay what Okoro's value may be this low but regardless like you offer Okoro in the second round pick for Royce O'Neal to one make Donovan Mitchell happy two maybe find your starting three next year and three just at least add some depth that provide checks a lot of the boxes of what you need um going forward if you're this cast squad like there's so many different ways they approach it and i thought you're going to talk in terms of content like i was hoping they just get this trade done with sooner instead of later so i don't have to sit here all night waiting to see who cleveland picks the 49th overall pick and it ends up being like a taco bell quesarito commercial and then the Cavs somehow end up picking the future face of the league i i want them to i think they should make the pick you do i I, yeah because i think you need to actually inject prospects you want to develop Look, I, I think if you can if you can get into a position where you can make a trade and like get a Royce O'Neal or get a wing for that's shakes loose from another team, you do it. And like if the second round pick is the is the really the thing that break that like gets over the line, then whatever, trade it. But I think in 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 like in a vacuum, I think I would I, I Cleveland has to look at using these picks. I think they need to try to get like with where the apron is going and what that's going to do for team building. What I think. They need. I think they need the youth, and I think they need to take shots at wings. So the the the, the, la, the last two on ESPN Monk has them taking Julian Strawweather from Gonzaga. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know a lick about Julian Strawweather right now, but he's a six seven wing who's going to be a junior. He's 205 pounds. Last year he mm-hmm. shot 40 percent from three. Like I like there there's templates of guys in that round that I think I just want to take swings on. I think to continue to wherever this is going. You need to come, whether it's UDFAs, whether it's someone in the second round, I think you need to come away from this draft process with a guy or two that it, you either get on a two-way or get as your 15th spot on the roster, and you're actually going to try to develop on in your ecosystem next year. I think that is, they need to do that with their other. I think every team needs to do it, but the Cavs are in real need of starting to churn some more stuff on the back end. So it is interesting you mentioned that. Um, Chris Livingston, small forward out of Kentucky, who is an Akron native. I think Chris Fedor is the first to note that he was going to be working out in Cleveland. Uh, according to Shams, canceled all other pre-draft workouts um, because it, it appears he got a promise. Maybe it was the Cavs, but like Hollinger and a few other people that are more tapped into the draft scene are just kind of surprised by that because they viewed him as a, a guy who gets signed to a two-way contract just because he's so incredibly raw. But he does fit like that archetype of a wingish player 
Um, when you break down what Cleveland was working out in terms of the pre-draft process, like a lot of the guys are guys that either went back to college or were kind of late, very late second round picks or guys that ended up being UDFAs. And maybe they explore that route too, where they have guys who stick in summer league, they come to camp and they fill those three two-way spots because Isaiah Mobley, who we'll talk about soon, uh, becomes more of a rotation piece going forward for you. So there's a lot of ways to tackle it. Like I said, I'm not opposed to them drafting a player, I think. If it's the piece you need in order to secure a deal to get a player like Royce O'Neal or just a guy in that vein where it addresses more of a clear provides you something right away, like, yeah, you consider it. But I agree, like, if a trade doesn't materialize, Cleveland needs to really look at the wing spot and say, like, okay, there are some dudes here, whether it's um, Livingston, like I had mentioned before, or maybe it's Imani Bates, if they're willing to look past his maybe just off-court concerns and just maybe some red flags that come with him as a player. Um, and they believe enough in their culture and their development staff, especially with charge. Like if they do that and kind of fleshes out to make like rotation depth. Yeah, that's great because that's Miami's approach and Miami is consistently a great team for that reason. So we talked about this on an episode the other day about learning from teams to the finals. Like, there's a lot of schools of thought. I think the worst case scenario is just drafting an international prospect for the sake of holding on to what little cash you may have heading into the free agency market. Yeah, I I think just again with I also think teams are going to think about the apron. Yeah, that's fair. This this is coming, and I think teams are going to have to find ways to really have caught like cheaper, younger, effective players as the middle class kind of gets squeezed out. Especially because like you have Evan Mobley money coming, Darius Garland. Like even though those are like the Garland one signed in the old CBA. If you keep Mitchell, that's going to be a lot of money. So that's just kind of where I'm at with that. All right, we're going to go into a break here. We're going to come back, and Evan's going to give us his first one, which is about one of the brothers, Mobley, one of the Mobli. I don't know if that's how we're doing it, but I just said Mobli, and so we're going with it. Today's episode, though, is brought to you. Yeah, does it? I don't know if it does, but today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a great way to have a little bit of fun with sports every day of the NBA playoffs and through the finals. They, they had these great giveaways, and... One entry placed every day, got a chance to win a ton of money. That was a great, really fun thing that they did. But how does it work, you ask? So you pick two to six players, and if they score more or less in their prize picks, projections, you win. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. They're not competing against other players. It is just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, and many, many more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals. And it's currently operational in over 30 states and all of Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter that promo code LOCKDOWN at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. If you're watching on YouTube, remember, it's right there below our heads. Check that out. Evan, talk to me about Isaiah Mobley. So this is more of a post-draft, pre-free agency window just because Summer League happens soon after the draft. I would assume Isaiah Mobley is going to be on the Summer League squad for Cleveland. He played last year for them as well. Maybe he doesn't play every game, but... At least for 
whomever they tap uh, to coach the team, whether it's JJ Outlaw, Greg Butner, and Buckner, Antonio Lang, heck, maybe even Sidney Lowe gets some burn or Luke Walton somehow. Oh, um, it's you, not gonna be JD, uh, but... did you say did you say Antonio Lang because he is now with the Atlanta Hawks? Oh, my apologies. So JJ Outlaw, um, Sidney Lowe, um, Walton, any of those guys. Um, Either way, uh, I, I think the coaching staff just needs some more familiarity with Isaiah Mobley. I, I know like he was a member of every practice. He was a part of the drills and everything they were doing, even during the postseason. Like, he was just an extra body they used on the court for practice and drills and things like that. But you use a second-round pick on him last year. You at least make it clear with how invested you are in his development by just stashing him so much of the charge that he's not just like, hey, we're making our franchise big man happy by taking his older brother in last year's draft. Um, like, I think the Cavs do kind of have a vision with him being that four or five player that can back up either his brother or Jared Allen. That's something what he said he expected to be when he kind of flushes out his NBA career and... I think just at least I know summer league you can't take too much stock from it. You need obviously training camp preseason as well with more exposure, but like at least it gives you a perspective of where he's at development wise compared to where he was entering his technical rookie season, uh, compared to where he is at now after a, a pretty solid year of the charge overall. Like, is his three point shot a little bit more reliable? Is the passing stuff similar to his brother? Does he have that defensive upside despite maybe being way less athletic compared to his brother? Like there's a lot of questions about Isaiah Mobley, and if he looks better or just, you know, he's on the path, maybe you look at it and say, okay, we don't need to fill him in with one of our two-way spots because I know they have three available, but, like, instead you sign Mobley to, like, that Lamar Stevens, Dean Wade-type contract because the G League success stories seem to get those with the Cavs, and you use him as, like, your eighth, ninth, tenth man in the rotation and kind of fills that vein of what, Lamar Stevens was this year and what Dean Wade was before Dean Wade kind of improved before he fell off a cliff again. So it's an interesting thought process. And also then you have three, two way spots. You can soak that up with UDFAs or maybe the guy you take at that second round pick. So you have more flexibility to keep developing back end rotation talent with the charge. Do you think Isaiah Mobley would be a serviceable backup center for next season? Uh <laughs> So that's a fair question. Um, again, it's hard to gauge what he fully is as a player because he has such limited experience playing in the NBA. I know the G League is a professional league. It's maybe a step or two separated from what the NBA is. And like Moby looked great whenever I watched him at charge games I covered or whenever I tuned into the charge in the postseason online. Um, I, I think he could be serviceable. And realistically, you're probably playing Moby and Allen 30 plus minutes a night so if you have a guy who can slot into the other next to the other one and maybe play like 5 10 possibly 15 minutes tops next to them because they also have like dean wade still here maybe lamar stevens comes back as well uh so like there's some minutes you can chop up there at the back end so like yeah he could be serviceable enough and we talked like i talked about how like listen they had ed davis they had robin lopez as like the backup bigs and that's fine but if you're developing an option in-house to kind of just be that dude who can slot in behind your four or your five, like, work with it. Especially because Jop isn't coming over because Jop has the size at least to play the five. So you have to kind of just get creative with it a little bit. And I think, I think there could be something here, but I want to see what he looks like against NBA-level talent before I firmly say that. Here's what, here's what I, my, my take is. I think they're, we're going to find out really what they think of him in this process. 
if they think he's someone he's that could technically a free agent too, so rest- restricted. Yeah, and I don't think a team like he's not. I think like if they that'd let be, him go or something, that'd a, be bad optics pick. if they let him walk. But 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 like I don't even. I ultimately I don't think that stuff matters that much. Like ultimately, like you kind of just like it'll it would sort itself out. Like it'd be fine. Like the Sixers traded Doc Rivers' son-in-law. Like you'll be okay. It'll we the world the world moves on and maybe he gets a bigger role and gets a chance to play that he might not get included. Whatever. With Isaiah Mobley, I think we're gonna find out what they think because he's they drafted him last year. I think you could get him on the Kobe Altman special, but do they go get another center to kind of or do they say like we're gonna give you a chance to to win this and trust him because the the timing of this of when he might what the free agency market might look like and what um, his situation might look like could kind of depending on like I mean if he's not under contract does he go to summer league I don't know I think you'd like to see him in summer league I think that but that I don't know if you 100% get him there I think you would also like to see what the free agency center market looks out and I and I also think in in the world we're in for Cleveland I think if they have resources I would be more willing to like take a risk on like what Isaiah Mobley is versus like what I think like a wing would be Right. Um, I, I think in, in the like I would rather try to roll the dice on that and try to find another veteran set on the minimum and use my resources like on a wing than I would like over invest in a backup center. I think what's going to happen next year is they maybe try to find a, an upgrade over Robin Lopez. And I think that's a, a smart thing to do. I also think I'm still not like blowing the bank on that. Right. Like I, if you if you get Isaiah Mobley like at a very cheap deal for four years and you get a, a you know, Bismack Biombo in the minimum. I think that's like that's okay. That's good enough. And you give Isaiah Mobley a chance to figure it out. But I think we're gonna find out what they think of him. Ultimately, I think this is gonna tell us at least somewhat if they think there there's any juice there to squeeze. Yeah, and I agree with you. Like they they get an idea of who he is as a player. Maybe he doesn't play in summer league, but the Cavs at least they collect together in Vegas. Maybe we see Donovan Mitchell there. So Cavs fans stop getting so rabid about him. Well, well to be interest, clear, not not playing, just just hanging, not hanging just hanging out, hanging out, out or they yeah, do like yeah. summer runs at like a high school gym or something like that. And again, there's not much stock you can take from that, but at least you can get an idea. And also, like I'm just a podcast host, I have limited interaction with these players to begin with, and I'm just a podcast host. I have limited interaction around these guys. Uh, it's just whatever the Cavs are willing to give me, and that's that's fine. That's the prerogative. Um, Mobley's been around this team quite a bit. He's on a two-way contract. Um, and like I said, like he was more often than not presence at Cavs practice for media availability unless the charge for some reason were on the road. So maybe the Cavs coaching staff has a better understanding of Mobley than I do. I just kind of want to see what we're cooking with a little bit when it comes to this summer squad. And especially just because you may just have like a second round pick as like one of the head quote quote headliners and you want to maybe just look at a bunch of UDFAs or guys that are trying to crack back into the league to see if you can just soak up some of that back end rotation talent. Just like, they're not going to be your number one, a one day one move, but they're going to be guys that play like that third, fourth man role in your rotation where they are serviceable enough and reliable enough that they won't crater you if you put them out there, but also they don't expect to play on a nightly basis. All right, one more break. We're going to talk about the other Mobley after this. So, I mean, here, here's, I think, ultimately, like, the thing that will have the most impact on the Cavs summer. So maybe, like, we've buried the lead by making the segment six. 
like I'm, I'm willing to like argue that like this it's not the the most seo friendly thing so maybe that's why we we buried a little bit the most the, the thing that could change the trajectory of the calf season more than anything else is evan mobley taking another massive step forward and coming back a much much better player in year three and whether that's his handle being tighter a jump shot at its size whatever it is the kind of improvements he makes and the leap that he takes in year three because of the work he does this summer, that's probably the, that, that is the most important thing that will happen with Cleveland this summer. And it's not something we can see the results of and have a reaction to in, in, in July because we're not going to get to mm-hmm. see it. We're not going to get to see Evan Mobley play basketball again that matters until the fall. And then we're going to have sample size stuff and we're going to see how he starts the season and really have a chance to gauge it. We can talk to people in the summer. We will like that, and we'll see what they say and, and get positive feedback. I'm I'm sure not not a whole lot of negativity will come around the Mobley stuff. I'm sure, but the leap he takes from where he ended in the playoffs and the disappointment of his playoff performance to what he shows up at on day one of next season, I, I think this is the most important thing that could shape the Cavs season next year. Are you still team handle or team shot when it comes to? I I'm, agree with you by the way, but are you still I'm team, team shot? Uh, 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 no, I'm team shot now. Oh, you are. I did. Um, oh, yeah. So I did. I did an episode, a solo one. I, time is fake to me at this current moment. A couple weeks ago, <laughs> I did one, and I I've changed a shot. And here, the summation. This is why. Go ahead. I'm I'm curious because I'm still team handle, but go ahead. I think the shot just like will open things up for him as well. And I just I don't know ever know if his handle is ever, like or he's ever going to have a role in the offense where like he's going to handle and maximize. A great handle. What I think he can, even if it's just an 18-footer or a, a free-throw line jumper, that means his 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 man is not going to sag off him into the paint. It means he just has more utility on offense, just in a, in a kind of inherent way. And I think just a regular jumper and having just the ability even to 18 feet on the baseline at the at the free-throw line, at the elbow, I think hitting jumpers there will just add real utility to his offensive game. I, I just think it will... And, I think the thing that I I feel differently about from when we I was very adamantly team handle and I still think the handle is important is like yes like this stuff will be good for mobile development but this is also a five man team game and the shot stuff is going to make everything else easier for you from a roster mm-hmm. construction standpoint so I I think I've I've shifted all the way to hand, to, to team shot I, okay so you made a compelling argument I I I'm still a fence sitter on this one I guess my last name is Manning now but. Um, I don't think I fence it as much anymore these days. I'm not kinda, as much. You're much more decisive, and credit where credit's yeah. still on that one. But yeah, um, I'm 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 out here, brother. You know. But I look at the way the Cavs function, and just like watching Evan Mobley shot. Like, yeah, he practices a ton of them with either Luke Walton or the coaching staff, or just during like pregame shoot around everything in between. So. I, I just haven't seen it like fully manifest yet. And it, I could be shut up completely in year three. Like he could come out like hitting threes in a much more reliable clip and it becomes part of his repertoire. But I'm just like, okay, I, I've seen more of his passing. I see him be so much more creative either as a ball handler or a guy that just like functions within the offense. Um, and I know like this is not an apples to apples or even apples to orange comparison, but like it's a copycat league. And I'll stress this again. Like if the Cavs, kind of take with like what worked for Denver this year and how like Mobley's not the passer Jokic is but like if Mobley is able to kind of make some of those reads or he's able to make the right reads or like, well, the defense collapses on him defense is what to respect him 
If Cleveland's offseason approach is like, okay, we're going to add shooting and depth on the perimeter and just really focus and zero in on that, like Evan Mobley's passing game is going to be unlocked so much more and it's going to just create natural organic spacing for him and Allen. And again, it's the, it's the uncomfortable elephant in the room. Like if Mobley's shot doesn't manifest, I think that's when you have that conversation about trading Jared Allen. And that's, uh, again, another conversation for probably next summer. But for now, I think there's ways you can get creative with it when you try to take this antiquated style of basketball of playing two seven footers next to each other in your starting lineup or like relying on those two so much for like your just your core identity and just adding some modern accents to it to kind of make it a little bit more palatable for you, especially come postseason time. And that's kind of where I'm at. So I don't know. Also, he could bulk up like crazy too. He could be on that Giannis growth plan, and like I'm like, okay, I'm always a five, but he's gonna play the four because he doesn't need to get banged up all postseason long. But that's you're like, shoot, the Cavs should like if if Brook Lopez's were growing on a tree, they should go nap one. <laughs> what I what I really just tend to feel more than anything else, Evan is is just we live in a world where he is. I think we saw in the playoffs. The lack of spacing, I think, really made everything harder. And I think if he just has a jumper that is, again, 18 feet, the free throw line, the elbow, it will loosen things up for everybody else, but I think it'll loosen things up for his handle. I I think he's Mm -hmm. always, just because he's taller, he's always going to be prone to getting picked and and having some of those issues. That is just built into being a seven-footer who is that tall. And and like it happens with Kevin Durant. Of course, it's going to happen to Evan Mobley, right? But... Yeah. I think I think for, for Mobley, I think just a jumper just will give him a real clear function on offense that it I think at times it just felt like he is missing. And like that's okay. He's a second year player. I think Scott like someone like Scotty Barnes has kind of the same issue because the lack of a shot. It's different, obviously. It's not one to one, but I, I think a shot just will give him utility. But I, I think in general, if he comes back bigger and stronger and in better shape or whatever and everything we know about this guy, I think, means that we expect him to get better and better and better. That's the standard. I think it's just going to, the, the, the levels are just going to keep going up and up and up for Mobley. And I, and I think this summer is the kind of thing where it's like, okay, year three, off of his first playoff loss, off of a very disappointing series for him, that the blame isn't really on him. It's been on other guys. But, you know, certainly I don't think that series reflected well on him. Where does this leave him? Where does this take him? I think that's going to be fascinating. I, I agree. It's going to be fascinating how he grows and develops. Like that's, that's the exciting thing about him. And just because he's one, such a unique player, but two, like there are so many different divergent paths Evan Mobley could take. Um, and I'm fascinated to see which one he follows and pursues. And I, I know the players were limited for time in their exit interviews. And I think they're still kind of shell shocked after losing to the Knicks and just having to talk to the media the day after. But I do wish somebody, myself included, had asked Evan Mobley, like, hey, what is the coaching staff telling you um, what the development plan is going forward? Or what is the front office telling you? Or anybody in the organization telling you, like, hey, what is the plan for you going forward? Like, do they want you to hone in on your shot? Do they want you to focus on your handle? Do they want you to have a little bit of both? Do they want you to do something else? Like, and it's hard to probably get a straight answer out of him because, like, Evan Mobley talking to him is like talking to a wall sometimes because he's so shy. But I am excited to see what he is as a player because last year a lot of it was how far can donovan mitchell take the Cavs. i think we're starting to enter the reality where how far can of course donovan mitchell take the Cavs on offense but how far can evan mobley shoulder a lot of the little things not just defense but like the offensive stuff too to 
coexist alongside Mitchell with Garland being the third star to kind of take this team from playoff hopeful to like a legitimate threat Eastern Conference. Then there, I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Darrell. Back tomorrow, everydayers, first thing in the morning with another, another three Cavs topics. We're going to talk about Isaac Okoro and some other things that are going to get decided then back the 2023-24 Cavs. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Darrell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for his work on production as always. Always.